Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Sometimes when it comes to stories about teenage immigrants in the Western world, you hear the same beats again and again. You know, society is racist. My parents don't understand. I feel weird and unsure about my place in society. What I like about today's interview with Long Liav is that, yeah, she touches on those things, but she makes sure to remind people that immigrant teens also then have to deal with the teen part of that equation. You know, crushes, school, friends, enemies, frenemies, all that. She talked with Here and Now's Deepa Fernandez about her book, Others Were Emeralds, and Coming of Age in Australia. Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. There are times when the market is volatile, when customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. A new novel brought back memories for me of my childhood in Australia. Sydney has a reputation for being a cosmopolitan city, welcoming visitors from around the world. But in the late 1980s and early 90s, it was much more hostile to non-whites, as Lang Liav's book Others Were Emeralds reminds us. The book is centred around I, the child of refugees who escaped the Khmer Rouge. Her family has settled in the fictional immigrant town of Whitlam, where I has a close group of friends. But their closeness is threatened by the constant hostility they face from white Australians. Lang Liav is also the child of refugees. She grew up in the mostly migrant town of Cabramatta, one of Sydney's outer suburbs. Once again, her book is Others Were Emeralds. Lang, welcome to Here and Now. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Your family fled the Khmer Rouge and they settled in in Sydney in Australia and How did your real-life experience shape the book? I think it was such a um, pivotal time in Australia's history. We were the first major wave of Asian immigrants to settle in Australia. And because we just looked so different and there was this whole image of Australia uh, where where it was just, you know, the the bikini-clad blondes, the blokey guys and... Everything that we were was just completely contrary to that. So, so I think it was quite a hostile place. So a lot of that went into the book. I, I, I showed that through I's experience. Yeah, and, and I want to get into some of that because, honestly, I'm sure this has been your experience too. But, you know, having grown up in Sydney myself, um, you know, people yes. find it hard to believe that that level of open racism and hostility exists. But let's, let's zero in on Cabramatta where you grew up, mm-hmm. and, and I'm guessing yes. Whitlam, the, the suburb yes. in the book, is a proxy for Cabramatta. Cabramatta was a place, it was a, like a place of refuge for my family, mm. where we could go and eat and shop cheaply for all the Asian groceries, yeah. where we didn't stand yeah. out. But I have to say, Lang, I know that I didn't live there. It would have been very mm-hmm. different living there. It was highly policed. The media portrayed it as, as kind of gang-riddled and dangerous. What was it like yeah. to grow up there? I think both parts are true in that you you were speaking about it as if it was a haven. And in some ways it was that as well. Um, I, I think those two things existed and there was all the crime and the drugs and it was portrayed as a ghetto back in the time. And as you'd remember the whole period in the 90s with Pauline Hansen from the right-wing party, One Nation, it was seen in a certain light. 
Yeah, the casual, overt, constant racism that you portray in your book. I mean, mm-hmm. I have to say it's something I relate to a lot. And yeah. you're just talking about, you know, people gush about Sydney and what it must have been like to grow up there. And your book catalogues in a very subtle way how ostracizing, even dangerous that constant racism is. And we don't want to give away the very big twist in the plot no, of the book. No. But yeah. Talk about the ever-present racism that the characters deal with because it's constant and it's overt. There's nothing subtle about it. No, absolutely. And it definitely was overt after, you know, Pauline Hanson came out with the we are being swamped by Asians in in the speech. It was something that I, I just dealt with every day, but I thought it was normal. It's just little things like, um, you know, not being served in a shop, there was a scene that I described which is actually taken from a real scene and it was the bicentenary and um, I's like eight years old and she's she's on a ferry and she's being spat on. And the fact that someone can spit on an eight-year-old girl, it's just, um, it just seems to me, like you said, it's it's hard to believe that this is what happened in Sydney. But that was taken from a real story and that's one of my earliest memories. Mm. You know, an overarching theme to the book is almost the flip side of that, is that the characters have these normal highs and lows of teenage Mm. life, the falling out of best friends, misunderstandings. (laughs) But because they're the children of immigrants living in this hostile place, the consequences of these, these normal teenage things is so much greater. I think of characters saying things like, we could have worked it out if we had the time. What do you want the audience to understand about these teens' lives? I just wanted to keep it authentic and that's how it was like. I mean, there was all this other stuff that we had to contend with that other teens don't have to, but then we were still very much engaged in normal things that teenagers were. I mean, we watched the same movies, we listened to the same music, we had crushes, we had, you know, first loves and friendships. And I suppose I just wanted to to show that side of it. I, I know a lot of um, novels about Cabramatta or the ones that I've known about or read so far are centred very much around crime and that side of things. But um, I just wanted to show what it was like. And, and Lang, I have to say, I felt the characters were really lucky to have each other. All yeah. the children of Asian refugees or immigrants, and they had such a bond and there was a safety and comfort in their shared ethnicity. Mm-hmm. You know, I found myself envying them, even though they were living amidst this hostility. How important yeah. is that deep connection to being able to get ahead inside of that kind of larger hostile world that they were coming of age in? Well, I think it, it was a, a place where they could feel safe. And um, that's certainly how I felt growing up in in that every time we left Cabramatta, there was a feeling that there would be a confrontation, there, there would be some sort of racism that, that we'd have to deal with. And that was always ever-present. And I, I guess I just wanted to create that sense of safety and, and you know, that bond. And, and I think in many ways um, that's the sort of bonds that you do form when you're young. They're ones that you look back on um, I wrote Others Were Emeralds during the height of the pandemic and I was living here in New Zealand and I couldn't visit my hometown of Cabramatta as often as I used to be able to. So I just started to feel very nostalgic and, yeah, just just looking back. 
You also interrogated the trauma of refugees and how that lingers, mm-hmm. even festers, yeah. in, yep. inside of their new and safe homeland of Australia. You know, it seemed like largely unaddressed trauma because no one had the time or the resources to go to therapy or do any kind of self-care. I'm wondering if you think things might have turned out differently for the children if their parents had been able to work on their own deep traumas that they escaped from. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that would have been key because um, it was just a a very um, loaded situation in that all the immigrants were just thrown into this settlement and, you know, they were suffering from, they'd seen horrific things. They were suffering from PTSD and a number of other things. A lot of them had lost loved ones. Uh, So it it was a very, yeah, like I said, like a loaded situation. And if there had been the help there, um, if we had talked about mental health, which you didn't really in the 80s or 90s, it it wasn't something that was really addressed, then I think the children would have benefited from that because there was always this war between the children and the parents. It's like they lived in one world and we lived in another there is that divide and that language barrier because the two worlds are just so vastly different. Do you feel like Australia has progressed? I haven't lived there in two decades. Is (laughs) it a more inclusive place, do you think? Oh, yeah. I I mean, I I don't think it's perfect, um, but nowhere really is. But uh, from where we came from, absolutely, it's become a lot more inclusive. I want to ask you just about the title of your book, Others Were Emeralds. Where did that come from? It's a line in a book, but it just seemed to fit just because I always felt like the other, you know, growing up in Sydney, and and as you know, Sydney is sometimes referred to as the Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz, and um, I always felt like it never belonged to me. Um, It wasn't my country, and it was something that was said to me a number of times, this isn't your country. And when you grow up hearing that, then you, you start to believe it. What do you want people to take away from your book, Lang? I would, I would love people to just um, fall in love with the characters and I guess get a sense of, of what it was like, um, the whole nuance of growing up in, in that time. Well, it brought back many, many memories, not all of them good, but I did love <laughs> yeah. immersing myself in the smells and, and the sounds of Cabramatta and yeah, going there absolutely. as a child. Mm. Lang Liav's book is Others Were Emeralds. Thank you so much, Lang. Thank you so much, Deepa. Thank you. Pro-Palestinian protests have popped up on college campuses across the country. But from the eyes of students, what are we missing? From the outside, these protests are painted as really violent when... That couldn't be further from the truth. I'm Brittany Luce, host of NPR's It's Been a Minute, and I'm inviting you to hear from student journalists who see what the rest of us cannot. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Integrative Therapeutics, with vitamins and supplements previously available only through practitioners, including Cortisol Manager. Unlock your best self with clinician-curated supplements from Integrative Therapeutics, now on Amazon. 